0: What is your opinion on these healthiest diets for 2023? Well,
1: Chuck, you're asking really such an important question because everybody really wants to know what's a diet that's gonna work, that's gonna be safe, that's gonna be healthy for me and maybe healthy for my kids or the other people who might be doing this with me. The number one reason, of course, why people want to change their diet is because whatever indulgences they may have had in November and December and through the holidays kind of take a toll. And on December 31st at midnight, people say, enough.
0: Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Glendale, California, Pearland, Texas, and Gwangju, South Korea. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode three of season six, number three hundred ninety-nine overall. It's also episode two of our All Stars of Health series, where we are doing two weeks of live Q and A's with the biggest names in the health community. We had Dr. Michael Greger on last episode to kick off the series, and today. Dr. Neil Barnard is on the show, and he and I will be taking a look at the top diets for 2023. And let me go ahead and put that in quotes, the top diets for 2023, a closer look at these can't miss weight loss programs. We're going to be taking a very close look at everything from Weight Watchers to Jenny Craig, Mediterranean diet, DASH diet, even the raw diet is on this list. So how healthy are the supposedly healthiest diets? That is what we will be finding out today. Also, we had an opportunity to open up the doctor's mailbag, answer some questions for a lot of the exam roomies who joined us live. And speaking of the exam roomies who joined us live on YouTube and on Facebook, my goodness gracious, when we were talking about the diets and there was the list of All of the different diets that we have tried over the course of our lives. The exam roomies, you guys came through in spades. You were throwing out names of diets that we had never even heard of before. It was absolutely fantastic. So got a whole bunch of those diets to talk about as well, plus a lot of questions. And in case you missed the big announcement on New Year's Day if you live out in the la area we are coming your way so we've got details on that coming up a little bit later with dr barnard as well plus stay tuned exam roomies living on the east coast have a little something something for you as well but you know what we couldn't do any of this without a little help from our friends today's episode of the exam room live is powered by the gregory j ryder memorial fund The Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund supports organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while emphasizing programs that promote systemic change and also benefit people. You can visit them online right now at GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R, fund.org. It is time right now to raise your health and your diet IQ. Let's take a closer look at what are being called the healthiest diets of 2023. Do they live up to the hype? Let's find out. Here's a conversation with Dr. Neil Barnard on episode two of our All Stars of Health series. I'm so happy that you're here because we have one heck of a topic here to talk about.
1: Happy New Year to you, Chuck. It's great to be back with you.
0: So a press release crossed my desk yesterday, and it is from U.S. News World Report talking about the healthiest diets of 2023. And I was very excited when I got through this, and I'm like, okay, let me scroll and see where a plant-based diet is going to land. And I keep scrolling, and I keep scrolling, and I scroll some more didn't ever quite see it, but I did see the big ones, Dr. Barnard. We saw keto on there. We saw the MIND diet, uh, something called the TLC diet, Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, Zone, South Beach. We saw some plant-friendly ones like the Ornish diet, but nowhere in there was that plant-based diet. So what is your opinion on these healthiest diets for 2023?
1: Well, Chuck, uh, you're asking really such an important question because everybody really wants to know what's a diet that's going to work that's gonna be safe, that's gonna be healthy for me and maybe healthy for my kids or the other people who might be doing this with me. Uh, And the number one reason, of course, why people want to change their diet um, is because whatever indulgences they may have had in November and December and through the holidays kind of take a toll. And on December 31st at midnight, people say enough, I need to eat healthier, I need to lose the weight, I need to get my cholesterol down, whatever the heck it is. So for the past thirteen years, U.S. News has done these ratings, and they sound like there's some basis for it. They describe the jury that weighed in on these things and what their evidence was, but you notice a lot of things that are are really um, not so good. Uh, when you look at the best diet overall, and, and keep in mind this, the number one motivation is weight loss. The best diet overall, according to U.S. News, is the Mediterranean diet. And now, the, the funny thing about that is that if you look at the big studies of Mediterranean diets, researchers remember the Lyon trial, which was done in France, or the, the Predimed trial, huge 7,000 participants done in Spain. These studies showed that you really don't lose much weight. Uh, you might even gain weight with a Mediterranean diet because the diet has fish and it's got some poultry and it's got a lot of oil and these kinds of things. And in our uh, study, Where we did a crossover trial of a vegan diet versus mediterranean the mediterranean diet didn't didn't cause weight loss at all so we thought wait a minute how can a diet that doesn't actually cause weight loss be listed as a number one best diet for people to follow right now and when you and and when when you go through the data you find that they kind of twisted the facts a little bit they do mention studies that looked at a mediterranean diet and and did show weight loss you go into the study and you discover they used a Mediterranean diet along with a pretty severe calorie restriction. So, you know, it was maybe you were eating Mediterranean foods, but in every single case, they just cut calories. So what they're finding is you don't lose weight on that kind of diet at all. But if you cut up calories with any kind of diet, you lose weight. So I'm sorry to say The numbers got a little bit manipulated, and that makes a Mediterranean diet, which is, frankly, a sexy-sounding diet that everybody would like to do. I mean, who wouldn't like to be on the coast of Tuscany drinking a glass of red wine looking out at the sunset? Um, But the fact is, it's not going to burn one ounce off of you.
0: Yeah, let's go ahead and, and pull up the, the rankings here. This is the actual website here from U.S. News, and you see the best diets overall for 2023. I mean, that's just a, a nice, catchy headline there. And you do see Mediterranean diet fall there at number one. Then the DASH diet comes in at number two. That's one, Dr. Barnard, you and I have talked about on the show previously. That's one that's set up to help people specifically uh, who are struggling with hypertension. Is that correct? Yeah. Dietary
1: approaches to stop hypertension. And like Mediterranean, it's sort of a step in the right direction, uh, but not as powerful, obviously, as getting the meat off your plate.
0: And so you're talking about getting the meat off of the plate. I think that what we have here in a tie for a second, the flexitarian diet, you see that right there. Um, That's one that I think that kind of gives people a little bit of comfort when they think about, well, at least I can still eat some of the stuff that I've been eating uh, my entire life, some meat, some dairy. It gives me that flexibility. We get into an argument. Well, not an argument here, but we we, we get into a discussion with a lot of people in this house anyway about the all or none approach. When you see something that is flexitarian there, does that sound any alarms for you or is it kind of a entry way for somebody who wants to eventually maybe eat an exclusively plant-based diet
1: it's an important question uh chuck you know for for a person people are free to do what they wish to do and if a person says well i'd like to go to a halfway healthy diet but not the other way they, they have that right they could certainly do it however if you're a medical professional and somebody is asking you i've had a heart attack i don't want to have another one what's the best way for me to really regain my health, or I'm on all these medicines for diabetes or cholesterol, what's the very best way for me to get rid of it? You wouldn't recommend a flexitarian diet any more than you would recommend for a smoker, like a flexitarian smoking uh, uh, program. You know, you have a cigarette on Wednesday or something like that, and and really for two reasons. One is the flexitarian approach doesn't work very well. Mm. You know, if you're a meat eater on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but you're a vegetarian the other days or something, uh, you're getting more cholesterol, more fat. You're getting not get the results. The second thing is that in the same way as a person who's succeeded at being a non-smoker for three weeks, if they decide I'm going to give myself permission to have a cigarette now on the weekend, you know exactly what is going to happen. Um, you're you're, you're wakening up those addictions, and that happens not just with cigarettes, but it happens with food. And so for many many people. not only the most effective way, but the easiest way is just to say, well, those are bad foods that didn't love me back. I'm just going to leave the cheese and meat off the plate. So it does sound, for many people, it it does sound kind of draconian. You're know, you going to avoid those bad foods altogether. But for many people, they say, got to tell you, just breaking up with a bad love affair with food is the easiest thing.
0: I scrolled down on this page to take a look at how the editors arrived at these rankings. And you see the scorecard there for the flexitarian diet, On a scale of one to five, it gets a 4.4. And it looks like the four criteria that they have here is fast weight loss. So how quickly can you slim down weight loss overall? I'm assuming, and this is just an assumption that maybe that that's for sustained easy to follow seems to be weighted pretty heavily part in the pun. And then is it healthy when you're talking about an overall ranking for healthy to me, that seems pretty ambiguous because some One person's definition of healthy may differ greatly for somebody else's. I'm wondering what the consensus there might have been.
1: Yeah, well, I think you put your finger on two really important things, Chuck. The first is ease to follow. Flexitarian is a word designed to make it sound easy. It may or may not work, but it's really easy. And that's what the Mediterranean diet has going for it, too. It just sounds easy. Um, In reality, if you actually follow the rules in a Mediterranean diet done according to research criteria, it's not easy at all. It's a pain in the neck. And not very effective, but 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 it sounds easy. and saying with flexitarian. But the other issue is: is it effective? Now, keep in mind, Chuck, to 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 arrive at these rankings, they didn't take a hundred overweight people and put them on the diet and test it. What they did is they went to a couple of dozen people who write and are expert have expertise in various nutrition topics and asked them what they thought. Many of them have probably never done a flexitarian diet. They may never have done a vegan diet. They may never have done an or- Ornish diet, and it's kind of like if you can imagine Consumer Reports saying, "Let's rate the twenty twenty three SUVs for you know, let's road test them, but we'll have people rate them who never actually stepped into the car, who mm-hmm. never drove it." And and that is, I am sorry to say, what we're seeing here. So, for example, they'll say, "Is it easy to follow a vegan diet for people who haven't done it?" It does sound hard for people who have done it. They think, "Wow, that was like so easy. <laughs> it's like so much easier than being hungry all the time."
0: So. Yeah, you know, and so in this case, uh, Lisa Esposito, an author by the name of Lisa Esposito, wrote everything that's on the page, and then it was reviewed by a registered dietitian, Jonah Bertios, there. Um, and, and I think the point that you just made was marvelous that they may themselves not have ever eaten that flexitarian diet. So really, all they're operating off of is. Uh, some numbers on a page and what somebody else has reported back to them. I want to jump down to number four here and the mind diet. I can't remember whether or not this one has come up uh, on the show before, but the mind diet that is uh, a very close cousin to the Mediterranean diet, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, well, the MIND diet was uh, really devised by Martha Claire Morris and her team at Rush University, and and, and Martha Claire was uh, a real good friend of ours, I have to say. She presented at our uh, conference a few times on really breakthrough research for Alzheimer's disease, and so she and her team constructed a diet that was designed to take all the things that we knew about preventing Alzheimer's disease and plug them into a diet and call it the MIND diet, and I have to say it's 90% a good diet. I mean, it's a lot of vegetables and fruits, eating for color, getting away from bad fats. The only um, kind of weak point with it is that I think they got a little too, uh, carried away with fish fat. Uh, because, you know, to its credit, fish fat in some cases is better than, say, lard. Uh, but it's not as good as just getting away from the fat altogether. But the mine diet has a, has a lot to recommend it, and 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 that's it. So I was glad to see that come up, even if it is not, in my view, the strongest diet.
0: Let's talk about some of the big time commercial diets that also made the list. I mean, these are the real money makers. Let me go ahead and pull that back up here. If you scroll down and you reach number eight here, I don't know what the volumetrics diet is either. I'm going to have to research that one. But number eight is when you get into WW, formerly known as Weight Watchers. What I remember, even as a little kid about these big commercial diet programs, is that people sign up for them. They cycle on, they have a little bit of short-term success, they cycle off, and then within a year or two, they're right back starting the program again. What is it about these programs, Dr. Barnard, A, that makes them so popular, and B, uh, do they really work, in your opinion?
1: Well, I think there's there's really two considerations. The first is the foods that are being recommended for you. Are they healthy foods? Are they plant-based foods? And with Weight Watchers, they make progress over time. And you can say, all right, I want to do Weight Watchers because I need some support, um, but I want to do it as a vegan. And you can figure out how to, how to do that, um, which is a good thing. The other piece of it is if they're not just sending you a box of food, but they're actually uh, giving you some support, I think that's a good element, too. Um, that doesn't mean you have to sign up for Weight Watchers. To tell the honest truth, if a person joins any community, this community. Um, let's say a person is watching the exam room every week, and you are—I'm I'm, serious—you are—you're you're getting support for staying on a healthful diet, or you join one of the PCRM uh, classes, like fight diabetes with food or whatever. That the food choices are half of it; the support is the other half. And if you've got a way to get that support, that's—that's that's really a helpful thing too. If you're the lone ranger. And you're just doing this diet by yourself, and your family doesn't su- doesn't support you. It's a lot harder. Uh,
0: well, the thing with uh, WW here, it, beyond the sense of community, is it it does say here that it you can be vegan and vegetarian friendly with it. You can easily modify the recipes. One thing I will give them points for is what it says here in the article is that they've updated their point system to account for added sugar, unsaturated fat, and fiber in addition to other nutrients. First of all, anytime any plan puts an emphasis on fiber, I think that's fantastic because uh, perhaps most paramountly, Uh, more fiber in your diet means that you're eating less meat, less dairy, which has no fiber at all. So, uh, I mean, can I get an amen for fiber here, basically?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and fiber means, just as you said, Chuck, that that you're getting plants because meat doesn't have it, cheese doesn't have it. The other thing is that fiber... Really doesn't have much in the way of calories. It fills you up, and it's going to help you lose weight. By the way, Chuck, let's go back to volumetrics for a minute. Sure. Uh, this is Barbara Rolls um, came up with this this term, and it's it's a cool thing. But it's I, I don't think of it as a diet. I think of it as a strategy. What she said is basically, look at the volume of what you're eating, and that volume of food. Let's say it's a soup. Uh, how much of it is calories, and how much of it is not calories? So if your soup starts out as water, no calories. Now, I put in some vegetables to, to my soup. Not too many more calories. Let's say I throw a hunk of pork in, some cheese, and you know, is it whatever? Now the calorie content is going up. She said, with a volumetric approach, she said, let's choose foods that for any given volume don't have very much calories. So, what did she come up with? If you eat an apple or an orange, you eat a banana, you eat fruits and vegetables and these things, these things have very few calories per unit volume. If you eat a hunk of cheese, or for that matter, a spoon of oil, uh, in whatever volume it is, there is a ton of calories. So when people follow, follow the volumetric approach to to really where it should go, you end up with a plant-based diet.
0: Interesting. And it does get uh, points here for being vegan and vegetarian-friendly as well. I, how could it not, yeah, yeah. based off of what it was you said? It's also budget-friendly, planet-friendly, and family-friendly. I mean, that's, that's all a uh, feather in the cap for them. Um, I want to go back. Let's see if we can scroll down. I want to pick a really popular one here. Uh, that people may be familiar with. I'm glad that Ornish cracked the top 10. He will be pleased to know that.
1: Yes, but, but they, didn't, they didn't treat the Ornish diet fairly at all. How's um, I, 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 that? I think they made some huge mistakes. They said um, it's hard to do. Um, it becomes tedious um, over time, which for people when they're first vegan or whatever, first on a plant-based diet, they may not have lots of choices, but very soon your diet is much more um, expansive than it was when you're reading chicken and fish and chicken and fish and chicken and fish. The reason I'm telling you that is back in 1992, I did a study, including all of the participants in Dr. Dean Ornish's heart study at that time, where we asked the patients, how do you like the diet? Is it, do you you enjoy it? Is it tedious or whatever? And I wanna tell you Chuck, those people who did not do the Ornish diet, but were in the control group following, it was sort of like the DASH diet or the TLC diet. chicken, fish. They found their diet boring and they were getting no result. The people on the Ornish diet said, it took me three, four weeks to get used to it, but I am used to it. My chest pain is gone. I'm losing weight. I love these foods. And they, they were not like, um, you know, whoever the editors are at US News saying, gee, I think it's hard to, to follow that. The, 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 the participants said, I just love how I feel. The other, the other huge mistake they made, they said that the Ornish diet is not safe for everybody. Um, and they said, if you are, um, underweight, you know, you're not going to get enough calories with it or something like that. Or if you're going to be pregnant, can you be vegan? And these, these things are unfortunately old 1950s era myths. So I'm going to call out the U S news editors. You got to do some fact checking, um, both about good diets that you underrated like Ornish, which is a fantastic program, fantastic diet. Um, and the Mediterranean diet, which you really overrated.
0: Uh, if you scroll down the list a little bit further, you get uh, you see some more of the big time ones that are really kind of still all the rage. You see Jenny Craig, Nutrisystem, which airs commercials all the time. Um, you see South Beach, that's another big one. You have a takeoff on the keto, the key two. uh Then you get to the paleo diet. Now, anybody who goes into the store right now, it's hard to miss a lot of these paleo friendly products. Even if you go to some stores and they've got a salad bar, you'll see a lot of the items on the salad bar are listed as being paleo-friendly. What is it about this diet that people are so attracted to? And then point beyond that is, how is this one missing the mark?
1: I think the paleo diet was invented by people who, who picked up a copy of Men's Health. And it said something like, you can get six-pack abs if you eat this way. They opened it up, it said the word paleo, and they said, that's it, I'm sold. Um, it's, it's an, it's an image. It's the idea is I'm in my lone, loin loincloth with a spear, intimidating other men and at attracting, you know, potential mates. Uh, it's, I think it's a testosterone driven concept to tell the honest truth. Um, now in its favor, um, what they are trying to do, or so they say is to go back in time and see which foods are kind of natural for us. The problem is they picked an arbitrary point in time, which was uh before people really learned to plant things but after they invented stone tools to kill animals if you went back a little bit further and you looked at humans ancestors or 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 cousins if i can put it that way chimpanzees and bonobos and gorillas and orangutans these are not people eating big hunks of meat they're not having cheese they're not doing that at all they're eating largely or exclusively plant-based diets so the paleo diet is a romantic notion um of hunting for for meat and eating whatever vegetables you can pull on out, out the ground but not using not taking advantage of agriculture so you're not planting seeds and you're not you're not growing fruit and that kind of stuff is
0: it i mean is it really so much of a stretch i mean right here it says the paleo diet is based on a simple and straightforward premise if the cavemen didn't eat it you shouldn't either um i mean to me that does kind of conjure up that stereotypical notion that you just, that picture you just painted of a caveman and a loincloth with a spear and they eat nothing but meat. How much flexibility does somebody eating a paleo diet have in terms of eating produce, legumes, things like that, that um, we talk a lot about here on the show? Is there any room in paleo for that?
1: Yeah, no, they would say- in theory if it was there for cavemen it's there for you so that would mean something raw that you didn't plant like let's say you found berries on a bush you can eat that um and also to their credit they're down on dairy because cave people they did not have dairy farms they weren't milking cows and goats um so they're, they're against dairy um so th- it's got that for it but but the whole premise is really wrong and, and i was, having spoken with paleoanthropologists about this you'll say is that a good model for a human diet they'll say absolutely not that that the the model for a healthy diet for people is a primate diet based on fruits and vegetables and things we could pick with our hands and we weren't really eating meat until the stone age gave us arrowheads and knives and things that we could use for hunting and by the time that had occurred we were pretty much in our modern human form and we still have pre-stone age coronary arteries they get atherosclerosis when you try to eat like a man.
0: I'm curious, uh, the exam roomies who are watching live right now, let's do a, a quick little poll. If you could put in the comment or in the chat some of the diets that you may have tried um I would I would be real curious to see, you know, just all of the crazy different kind of fad things that have been out there that we've all tried in our life. I mean, I famously did the cookie diet. That's that's my craziest one, but I've heard of the lemon water diet, I've heard of this diet and that diet. I want to know what diet you have tried. Put that in the chat. Um you mentioned raw food just a moment ago. Uh the raw food diet actually did make the list. Close to the bottom. I think that these guys did US News here did the top 20 best diets overall. And uh, the raw food diet comes in at number 24. And this is something that we get questions on from time to time from exam roomies. And it has to do with, is a raw diet actually healthy? Are we leaving something on the table, so to speak, by not eating any cooked food whatsoever?
1: Well, Having the ability to cook really greatly increases uh, your palate. I mean, the number of things that you can serve that are really healthy. For example, grains, uh, a dried kernel of brown rice is not gonna be something you're gonna put on your plate. Same with dried beans. The minute you can cook them, you've got something that is healthy, high in fiber, no cholesterol, no saturated fat, filled with healthy vitamins and good nutrition. So there's something to be, to be said for cooked foods. If you were to say to me, can I do a raw diet? and Can it be healthy? I believe you can. Um, But with a couple of caveats, Uh, we, we really don't, in my view, to this day, know which are the raw foods that are most natural for human beings. Human beings began, our species began in Africa. And people ended up in other parts of the world, either voluntarily or involuntarily. And let's say you're plucking a tomato. That's raw. But that's not something you ever ate in Africa. That's a North American food same with peanuts uh same with chocolate same with potatoes lots of things and so the, the question in my mind has always been what are those foods what are those fruits what are those vegetables that were in say ethiopia kenya that the, the 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 place where where human beings really started out there's no way of telling uh nowadays but i am guessing that a diet like that would be really helpful if, if you look at chimpanzees what are they eating huge amounts of fruit Lots of leaves and and vegetables. They're not eating the things that you would get at Safeway um, because it's a different different species, so to speak. Uh, But little or no meat, no dairy at all. All
0: And so let's look at the scorecard here for the raw food diet. 1.7 out of 5, and it comes in at number 24 on their list. You get a relatively middle-of-the-road mark for fast weight loss, but the rest of the stuff really does seem to be on the low end. Weight loss overall, only 1.3. Easy to follow, 1.7. And then health score, 1.5 out of 5. I guess here's my question about this. It kind of goes back to what it was we were talking about earlier. If you have a diet that's only achieving a 1.7 out of 5 I find it really hard to believe, even if you are giving incredibly great weight to ease of uh, easy to follow, that a plant-based diet wouldn't be on this list whatsoever. I, I just, I would love to see how that rated out for them. I'm just a little bit yeah. skeptical.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, with a, with a raw food diet, a raw food diet could be done, you know, with if you're going to be sprouting beans instead of cooking them and so forth. But it does require a lot of thought, a lot of planning. A vegan diet, or what some people might refer to as a low-fat whole foods diet or whole foods plant-based diet or something like that, it's the easiest thing in the world to have spaghetti with tomato sauce instead of meat sauce. It's the easiest thing in the world to trade your meat chili for a bean chili. Um, A a plant-based diet is easy. You're not counting calories. Anybody in the family can do it. The safety is tops, Um, and the efficacy is tops. So um, we are going to be pushing. U.S. News to get a little bit more up to date, look at the science, and also look at doctors who prescribe these diets and the patients who use them so that they can actually maybe do a little bit more accurate uh, rating next time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again, it, it, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. It makes no sense to me that the raw food diet there would be the or, And, and, and that just seems like the hardest thing. In the, I mean, for goodness sakes, you're talking about a raw food diet. That means that your kitchen is going to be full of things that are sprouting. You have to do a whole bunch of prep, a whole bunch of legwork, invest a whole lot of time that nobody has to spend in the kitchen. And that, is still on the best diet slit. I mean, come on, with a plant-based diet, as you said, it takes no effort to make spaghetti with tomato sauce. Boom, it's right there. Open up a can of beans if you don't have time to make it fresh. Boom, it's right there. You know, rice takes no time. You can do all of this stuff, it just doesn't take any time, It, I'm, whatever. I'm on a soapbox, that's not my place, that's not my role, but you got me all fired up today. You got me all fired up. It's a good place
1: for you to be, Chuck, because um, I have to say, I learned a real lesson with a study that we, we called the veg med study. And you remember the study we brought in people, 62 people, they were all overweight and they wanted to lose weight. And the study said, come into our study, we will randomly assign you to either a Mediterranean diet with lots of support with a dietitian who, who knows this diet, who follows it, who will help you every week to follow a Mediterranean diet as best as it can be followed, or a completely vegan diet, plant-based diet with support also. You're going to do it for 16 weeks. We're going to see how you do. And then you're going to switch and do the opposite diet. So you get to do both diets and you can compare. And Chuck, it was the most amazing thing. At the beginning of the diet, at the beginning of this approach, the people on the Mediterranean diet thought, wow, pretty indulgent. Look at what I'm eating. You know, I can have, you know, grilled fish. I can have some olive oil over things. But as the weeks went by, they said, and and when does the weight loss start? Like, you know, there really wasn't weight loss with it to any substantial degree. The people on the vegan diet, at first they were nervous. You know, they thought, do I have to acquire a taste for folk music now? And you know, how do I do a vegan diet? You know, the usual kind of uh, mythology. But as the weeks went by, they got used to the diet, they came to like it, and the weight loss was huge. Then anyway, what happened at 16 weeks, we said stop. Switch to the other diet. At that point, the people who had been Mediterranean and were now doing vegan, suddenly found the weight falling off. And they said, at last, <laughs> this, is, this is why I'm here. But the people who had been vegan and now started the, the Mediterranean diet, they said, wait a minute. I don't want fish back in my diet. I lost my taste for it. I don't want cheese now. I don't want that olive oil. You taught us how to cook without it. I don't need it. And when they got on the scale, the Mediterranean diet was putting back on the pounds they had lost on the vegan diet. And they got angry. They said, how can people be prescribing this kind of diet that is clearly not the best diet for a person who wants to lose weight? And then we had the same issue with with cholesterol. Their cholesterols weren't dropping either because they're eating animal products. Now, 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 let me be clear. A Mediterranean diet for almost everybody is better than what you were eating before. It's just not nearly good enough for most people who with some support can do really well on
0: a plant-based diet. All right. Uh, we've got that big announcement coming here in just a second. And if you have a question for Dr. Barnard, post that in the comment or in the chat, we're going to be opening up the doctor's mailbag here momentarily as well, but let's do a kooky diet roll call here because I mean, the roomies, they put in some gems here. Uh, we've got Jen who says she did the South beach diet, weight watchers. She even tried starvation. Um, Sure. That's not working out very well. Pam did the <laughs> lemonade diet. Not too familiar with that one. That one's kind of kooky. Uh, Ariozone, South Beach. Her husband tried fruit uh, being an exclusively fruit eater a fruitarian diet. Weight Watchers, the cabbage soup diet. Stop me. Have you heard of the cabbage soup diet, Dr. Barnard? It's just what it sounds like.
1: Cabbage soup. That's
0: it. That's all you do.
1: Very popular back in the 80s and 90s.
0: Yep. Yeah. Wow. Slim Fast is another popular one. Uh, Bonnie did Keto. We have Cindy also did the Cabbage Soup and Paleo. Cindy, how was the Paleo experience for you? Um, We've got Rachel. Wow. Rachel has run the gamut. Man, this is great. Rachel has done Paleo, Raw Vegan, Juiced Feast, Zone, Whole Food Plant-Based. I think that she ended with Whole Food Plant-Based. She's watching us today. So I think that that's the one that she's landed on permanently. So uh, good Welcome to the club. That's awesome. But I mean, there's just so many out there and it really can be so confusing, especially this time of year when somebody is looking for the healthiest diet, the diet that's going to be the answer to all of their prayers, the answer to all of their new year's resolutions. And you just get bombarded with this stuff. How does one really cut through all of the clutter to figure out what really is the healthiest route to take? Number
1: one, we do have to look at the evidence and that's really what the exam was all about. And that's what our research is all about. And we go through this in detail. Number two, I think as we make a diet change, we do need some support, a little bit of education, not necessarily a lot, but it's good to have somebody to hold your hand and to ask easy questions like I was at a restaurant and they didn't know how to cook something with less fat. What should, what should I do? There are always answers out there, but it's good to kind of go have, have a little bit of support, uh, especially at the beginning. The third thing, Chuck, is, I think it's also important to, to think about the role of addiction. It's a big word, but we get hooked on foods, uh, foods that really grab us, seduce us and don't love us back. And sometimes what diets are is a negotiation. Okay. Vegan, great diet, but if I'm Mediterranean, then I can have some cheese now and then. Then I can have this, then I can have that. And unfortunately, these compromises keep the, sustaining the health problems that we've been dealing with. But that role of addiction, I think, it should, be, should be thought about. And of course, support is a huge part of the cure for that too.
0: All right. So let's talk about this big announcement, Dr. Barnard. I am thrilled with this. Um, there are three cities uh, that we will be touring this year to bring the exam room on the road as part of our big 10 million download celebration. Um, We're well beyond 10 million now, but you know what? It's time to party anyway. LA, you are first up on the list. March 30th, Dr. Barnard, you and I will be in LA for a very special taping of the exam room live March 30th. I cannot wait for this.
1: It's long overdue, and I'm so glad because we have people from California and all the rest of the world tuning in, but now it's time to actually to meet uh, live and in person. So I'm delighted that we're going to be there.
0: Absolutely. So March 30th, LA, get ready. We're coming your way, but we're not stopping there. New York City, a little bit later on in the year. Details to come, but I promise you it won't be very long after we hit LA. We are coming your way, New York, and then right here in our backyard, Washington, DC. We're also going to be doing a big exam room live that we would love for you to take part of as well. So stay tuned, big celebrations to come in 2023. Can't wait to take the show on the road. I think that this is great to do it live and in person is really a dream come true for me. So, I mean, I'm pumped and uh, LA, New York, DC, those are also our three biggest markets here where we have the most listeners in the entire world it's always those three. So really, it's our way of saying thank you to you for making this show the health juggernaut that it is to reach out and touch so many millions of people. Um, You ready to take some questions now? I feel like we've been talking a lot about diets and people are all kinds of confused and they've got some questions. So what do you say we open up the doctor's mailbag? Let's do it. All right. Um, This is an interesting, I mean, this one just makes me laugh for goodness gracious sakes. Um, Ina, you you mentioned oil a little bit earlier in the conversation and and Ina says, well, without, wait a minute, I've been told that if I don't eat oil, my hair will fall out. Is there any truth whatsoever that you know of to the notion that you got to eat oil if you want a healthy head of hair?
1: Um, no, um, I, I suspect, people, well, sometimes people are thinking about oils that they use as external treatments for their, hair. but I, I will say this once in a while, people do have hair loss. Um, and the model for that really is pregnancy. Um, uh, when women go through the various hormonal waves, uh, of pregnancy, hair loss can be an issue. Um, it, it usually sorts itself out. But the reason I mention that is when a person improves their diet, sometimes their body goes through some temporary hormonal shifts too, usually for the good. That's why the people did it, women with menstrual cramps, women with endometriosis, or people with menopausal symptoms, or, or people dealing with a cancer diagnosis. They very often change their diet, their hormones go through a little change. Once in a while, you'll see changes in your hair, usually for the better. Um, one little anecdote, over the past 30 years, I've seen about three or four people where their diets were very skewed and their hair was thinning and they found that if they added more plant protein beans tempeh tofu to their diet that little extra plant protein kind of fixed the problem but oil uh, no adding oil is not gonna keep your hair
0: <laughs> good to know uh let's see here Ah, great question for this conversation. Danny's like, look, you guys are talking about all of these different diets, and I see all of these different fitness influencers, bodybuilders online who are eating a lot of meat and dairy, eggs, fish. And she says they look absolutely great. Aren't they healthy? She's wondering. Well, you, you, you notice they
1: didn't post their angiogram. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what they posted is the picture that their boyfriend took or, you know, whatever of you know, of what they thought looked good for them. Um, and on just about any diet, you can get rid of extra flab, um, hopefully, and that's what they post. Um, but obviously the problems with a meat-based meat diet or a diet that has animal products in it or a lot of grease in it is the bad things it does on the inside too. And, and unfortunately that can reflect... Also on the outside, if you look at people as as the years go by, uh, the, the, the damage that free radicals cause is really what's responsible for the aging process. And we can't really stop it completely. But the colorful fruits and vegetables, the orange carrots, the red tomatoes, the purple uh, blueberries and grapes, those antioxidants that give them those colors help not, help slow down that aging process and some of that damage a little bit too.
0: All right. Let's talk about some of that practical advice. I know that that's one of your favorite parts of the show. Instead of doing the deep dive into nutrition, it's like, well, now how do you put this into practice? A question from Video 1000 Nights at 1024. They're an exam roomy regular. What specifically does Dr. Barnard say to get restaurants to use as little oil as possible? Oh, you know,
1: well, first of all, um, if it's a restaurant that you've gone to one time, they may not really feel very loyal to you, but if you're a regular customer, you've got some uh, some code, especially if you tipped well the last time you were there. So make sure that you you know what I'm talking about. Make sure you're valuable to them. And then secondly, just ask. A lot of people are a little afraid to ask. They'll say, OK, um, when you're uh, sauteing the vegetables, can you leave the, the oil out? They'll say, well, sure. I mean, I steam them for other people. How about if I steam them for you? Cool. Um, you've got a salad. The salad is drenched in oil. Uh, bring me the salad. Give me the dressing on the side. Those two things, doing it on the side, just reduce the amount of oil. You're going to discover that uh, you got it licked pretty fast.
0: Here we go. Patricia Ellis, 1157. How can I convince my mother and mother in law that a whole food, plant based diet is the healthiest diet for my kids?
1: Oh my goodness. Thanks. Okay. Depends on your relationship with your mom or your (laughs) mother-in-law. I gotta tell you, Um, there's kind of two kinds of families. Um, there is that one rare family where everybody gets along and they actually listen to each other and they take advice. Um, and so you say, here's all the reasons why I've discovered that a plant-based diet is good for kids. Um, I know the rules, the rules are simple, have fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, those four foods. I'm going to have those for my kids. I'm going to make sure they get vitamin B12. That's the other rule, Mom. I know what I'm doing. And in this wonderful harmonious family, everyone says, "Great! This is the these are the luckiest kids ever." But that's not you, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Most people are in the other family where people are kind of fighting their little turf battles. They're usually kind of innocent things, but people disagree about all kinds of stuff. And that's where you really need to bring in outside some some outside reinforcements. There are books, there are videos on raising vegan kids. Um, and so people won't, your mother-in-law is not going to believe you, but she will believe a book that was written by somebody else who she takes to be an expert. And you just take that book, put some post-it notes in the, the, the key pages, give it to her. She'll read it and she'll be convinced. You, you gotta bring in some reinforcements. Also, when people see videos together, AirPods and Popcorn, watch Game Changers together.
0: That's a great movie. That is a fantastic movie. Uh, everybody can get behind that too. I mean, even if you're not a sports fan, that it's just such a fascinating film, the way that it was put together. Um, let's take a question here from Sabata at, uh, 1237. This is an interesting one. They are looking to lose a little bit of weight and they're wondering, uh, whether putting nuts in a salad topping it with walnuts or pecans, something like that would be detrimental to their potential weight loss.
1: Yeah, will. I'm sorry to say. Um, nuts are healthful, and for a person who's not trying to lose weight, it's pretty hard to object to having a nut here and, here and there because an ounce of nuts will give you some vitamin E and some other healthy nutrients, too. The problem is that nuts are one of these very few plant foods that are really dense in calories. Now, that was never really much of a problem in nature because a nut is encased in a shell, and they are seasonal. And so it was kind of hard to overdo it. Nowadays you can go to the Publix or Safeway or Giant or wherever, and they've got whole cans of them already shelved and, and roasted and salted and they are delicious and addicting. Um, so we and, and end up being kind of taken with these really high calorie foods. So if you are trying to lose weight, I would suggest setting them aside or having only very minimal amounts of them. Don't use them as a, as a snack, use them kind of the way you are describing as a seasoning on other foods. But what we really find is when people are not doing well, they need to lose weight. They need to get their diabetes under control. Menopausal symptoms are are really driving them crazy or or menstrual cramps, that kind of thing. These are conditions where a plant-based diet that is also really low in oils, including the nuts and seeds. That's where you get the most power. Cure yourself first, solve your problem first, Then bring in a little bit of nuts later on, if you want to, to see how you do with that as an addition. But don't assume you're going to lose as much weight by having a vegan diet, plus a whole lot of skippy peanut butter uh, as part of it, because it's it's high in calories. It's going to slow your progress down.
0: Let me preface this next question by saying, I believe they're asking about saturated fat and whether that can get into the body. Christy, 1236, does the coconut oil you put on your skin and in your hair get absorbed into the body? No.
1: Excellent question. The answer is no. You can smear it on. You can put it on your car. You can, you, can, <laughs> you, you, you can shine your shoes with it. And you can put it on your skin. You can put it in your hair. I don't know why anyone would want to, but if you do, it won't go into your bloodstream.
0: Good to know. I think a lot of people think that the, the coconut oil in the hair like, just gives it that shine, gives it the healthy roots. I, I don't know. I think if you go and- I you... was missing
1: something, Chuck. I knew I was missing something.
0: Yeah, so. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no hairdresser. <laughs> I don't know these things. Um, Donna, 1150. <laughs> uh, all of my cholesterol markers are good except for high triglycerides. Eating a plant-based diet, I assume she is. What advice might you have?
1: Oh, okay, great question. Um, a number of years ago, we did a study where the only rules- these were people who wanted to lose weight. The only rules were avoid animal products, keep oils low. What happened? People lost weight like crazy. Their um, cholesterol came down. And for many, their triglycerides, which are just blood fats, they went down, but for some, they went up. We did another study. Same rules vegan, low fat, plus low glycemic index. You know what I mean? We're avoiding the sugary foods. We're avoiding the white flour. We're having instead, say, pumpernickel bread instead of white bread. We're having oatmeal. Uh, we're having whole grain foods. So th- there's a lot of carbohydrate, but it's the healthiest carbohydrate. And what do you think happened? The triglycerides went down like a stone. So if you've got high triglycerides and you're doing a plant based diet, perfect. Vegan diet, great. Keep oils low, but also favor the low glycemic index foods. Beans. Uh, al dente pasta is okay. Um, and But really be avoiding the foods with a lot of sugar or a lot of uh, white flour. Those are the things that are going to drive your triglycerides. All
0: right. Let's grab two more here before we wrap things up for the day. Number one from Danny, some doctors claim that people need to eat meat in order to heal. Is there any truth to this?
1: Uh, no, there's not. But, but there are a few conditions where protein is needed. Um, uh, for healing and the, the, the classic case that you will see in hospitals is just terribly unfortunate is extensive burns where the body, the whole body is in this healing process and trying to construct new tissue. And those those are cases where the dietitian comes in and has to construct a diet that really loads the person up with protein. Meat, no, it doesn't have to be meat because, and it shouldn't be meat because meat has protein but it's got bad fat and cholesterol and all the things the body doesn't want. Um, in fact, if you went into the hospital uh, storage rooms and you picked up those little jugs of Ensure, uh, those people in, in medical care know what I'm talking about. It's a high-protein nutritional supplement. Uh, about five, or six years ago, the company that made it took Ensure and veganized it. So they've got a green package. It's the same thing, but all the protein is plant-based. So the point is, no, you don't need meat. There are conditions where you need extra protein. Plant protein will do the trick.
0: All right, last one is kind of a a piggyback off of what it was Dr. Greger was talking about on the show yesterday. Uh, We got into teas and coffees in a little bit, but Dab had a follow-up and I'm hoping you can supply the answer. Dab loves some coffee and they are wondering how much coffee is too much coffee?
1: Well, I think the answer is different for everybody for some people that one cup makes you a new person. Um, everybody around everybody around you discovers that suddenly everybody's a little extra talkative right around 6 45 in the morning, um, because the caffeine is hitting the brain. Um, however, researchers started to say, well, what if I'm having two cups, three cups, four cups, that'll make me jittery. I won't be able to sleep. Maybe so. Um, everybody metabolizes caffeine at a different rate. And there are some people who break it down really fast they sleep like a baby no matter how much coffee they drink there are others who have one cup of coffee in the morning and they still got about a quarter of its caffeine in their brain at 10:30 at night and they can't sleep one last thing to factor in here and that is alzheimer's disease a study came out uh, about a decade ago that looked at caffeine coffee in particular and alzheimer's and they found a protective effect a protective effect that was associated with having five or more, yes, I'm not making this up, five or more cups of coffee per day. For some reason, um, it had some brain protective effect. Stay tuned, whenever I see these studies, I always uh, kind of bookmark it to see if future studies reinforce that. But so far, what it looks like to me is that caffeinated beverages do have personality effects. They, they will affect you, they will affect sleep. Um, overall, they seem to be innocuous with regard to health, generally speaking. Um, but I think we need to stay tuned to see if there are benefits or risks to to huge consumption. I'm guessing that the person who asked this question is probably not into anything like a danger zone.
0: Strictly, you know, spitballing here. When you're talking about that study, I'm assuming the five cups of coffee that the. Participants were drinking. Weren't these caramel macchiato type Starbucks, right?
1: (laughs) Oh my God! What will kill you in the coffee is the creamer. Um, Exactly. You know that 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 milk and so forth that's added to it. What are you adding? You know the number one nutrient in milk is sugar, lactose sugar. Uh, The number two is fat, especially saturated fat. Your coronary arteries are snapping closed not from the coffee, but from the creamer. So you got it.
0: There we go. All right, Uh, Dr. Barnard, thank you so very much for being here, my friend and and doing the second episode of our health all star series. This has been great. We covered a whole lot of diets there. And I mean, you should see the list of other diets that the roomies have tried. I mean, it is it is an arm's length and then some it is incredible. So much information out there. I'm glad that you brought a little truth to the table for us today.
1: Well, let's let's hope the buck stops here. The diet stops here. Whole food plant-based diet really is a solution for lots of people.
0: Absolutely. And uh, by the way, the the Exam Room Health All Star Series, it's going to roll on for the next two weeks. This is so exciting. We had Dr. Michael Greger on yesterday to kick everything off. Um, tomorrow, our friend Dr. Will Bolsowitz will be here. Friday, Rip Esselstyn will be on the show. We haven't spoken with him in a very long time, so I'm really excited to get plant strong with him. And then on Monday, my goodness gracious, set a reminder right now noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, the one and only T. Colin Campbell will be here live with us on the exam room. Uh, We have so many others coming up. Cyrus Kambata for Mastering Diabetes as well. Gemma Newman, uh, the Plant Power Doc will be with us, and she and I have an exciting announcement about a uh, another project that we may be working on. Stay tuned for that. We might drop a, a couple of hints next Wednesday on that. Next Thursday, Dan Butner from the Blue Zones, and then we'll wrap up the entire series with Dr. Alan Desmond, the doc over in the UK who has been leading the plant-based diet revolution. So fantastic. And I can't let you go, Dr. Barnard, also without uh, mentioning, once again, the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund for their continued support of the Exam Room Podcast and the Physicians Committee, not just in 2022, 2021, but now into this new year as well. Allison Mahoney, everybody over at the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund is just doing such fantastic work, and it's a privilege to have their name attached to this show. You know, Greg has such
1: a strong heart and so much kindness, and Allison has carried that spirit forward in such a beautiful way, and I'm so grateful for that support.
0: And right now you see it on the screen if you would like to learn more sign up for their newsletter you can do that at gregorywriterfund.org that's gregory writer spelled r e i t e r fund.org absolutely go there sign up for the newsletter learn about all the incredible work that Allison and the team are doing Okay, so we're talking about that really long list of crazy diets that people have tried. I mean, I can't tell you how many different diets the average person tries throughout the course of their lifetime, but I would imagine it is a ton. So we have somebody here who has tried the cayenne pepper diet. They posted this in the comments during the live show. I've never heard of the cayenne pepper diet, but it sounds kind of painful, right? especially coming out, if you know what I mean. That same person also said that they've tried Atkins, keto, low carb, but they have ended their diet journey with plant-based. And then Marianne posted in the chat that they have tried, wow, how's this list? The Cabbage Soup Diet, Slim Fast, Weight Watchers, the Body by Vi Challenge, and a Super Processed Portioned Controlled Diet. That sounds incredibly technical. Don't know if I could hang with that, but they say that whole food plant-based is really simply the best way of eating. Somebody else said that they have done the white potato only diet. That's kind of wild. Walter did Weight Watchers a few times, but says that he's now been vegan for 12 years. Another person says that they have tried the live diet or the live diet. Cindy has tried the paleo diet, said that when they did that though, their cholesterol shot up to 300, but since they went whole food plant-based, it has plummeted by more than 100 points. Soon has done the Scandinavian diet, Adriana, Mediterranean diet, and a few others. Heather has run the gamut, Weight Watchers, Curves, Keto, and then Marta, has another long list, Atkins, keto, paleo, raw, vegan, vegetarian, you name it, they've done it. And somebody else has said that they've done the junky diet. And again, I'm not very familiar with what diet that is either, the junkie diet. But you put those words together, junkie and diet. Don't they seem to kind of counteract each other, right? Like one's supposed to represent health, that being diet, and then junkie. It's just kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Like thunderous silence. Two opposites just smashed together. Chunky diet. I don't know. Anyway, which diets have you tried? It's so, so, so dang! All many out there. So many out there. But the thing that we saw time and again in the chat today and over the course of the 399 episodes that we have done now of the podcast is that when it comes to sustainability, a plant-based diet, is really the easiest to do. It's kind of what Dr. Michael Greger was talking about on the show yesterday. And that there's no points to count. There's no real scales. There's no need to measure out your food. Super portion control and be technical. With a whole food plant-based diet, if you're hungry, basically you just eat. You don't have to overthink it. That's the cool thing about this. That is what makes it sustainable. I'll tell you something else that I think is really cool is finally, like we were talking about, being able to take the show on the road. March 30th, you exam roomies out in the LA area. We are headed your way. Dr. Neil Barnard and I will be there for a live taping of the exam room. So super pumped to do that in person with you. We will have more details on that soon. We also in the chat today had a couple of exam roomies wondering whether we could take the show over to the UK, maybe London. I'd love to do that. That seems like a dream come true. So hopefully we can pull that off in the future as well. But at the heart of today, what we were trying to do was just clear up a lot of confusion that people may have about how it is to get healthy. And there is so much confusion out there it's so easy to get confused there's so much noise and it's hard to know what you can trust is this person being honest do they have the real facts about things or are they just looking to get rich marketing another diet how do you know how do you know what you're reading is actually true We are constantly bombarded. And for a lot of us who are just starting our health journeys, it can be overwhelming. It is too much. It causes stress. It causes anxiety and it causes us a lot of times to just say, why even bother? Not going to do it. It's not worth it. Here's what you can do to help that person because we've all been there before. When you subscribe to the exam room podcast by the physician's committee, it is literally like extending a helping hand to that person. You're lifting them up and giving them the answers that they have been searching for, the truth that they are seeking. You hit that subscribe button, you are giving them a healthier life. You say, well, how is my hitting the subscribe button going to help anybody else? It's because every new subscription we get and five-star rating that comes with it, bumps us up a little bit higher in the podcast rankings. And so when somebody goes and they're thumbing through Apple Podcasts or Spotify and they're looking for the top nutrition podcasts, the top health podcasts, it puts us higher up on that list. And the higher we climb, the more people we can reach. And that's what this is about, helping out the next person. So let's help them out. Make them realize that the impossible is not impossible. They can achieve their health goals. And here is your solution. So if you haven't already, please take a moment, head over to Apple, head over to Spotify, hit subscribe and leave a five-star rating. And if you will be kind enough as well to leave a nice review, we would greatly appreciate that. And there's a link to do that right now in the episode notes for you. And for today... That is going to wrap things up for episode two of our All Stars of Health. Dr. Will Bolsowitz will be here tomorrow on the next show. Then Rip Esselstyn from Plant Strong will be wrapping up our first week. As a reminder, you can join us noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on YouTube and on Facebook. Just head over to the Physicians Committee's pages there. And T. Colin Campbell will be back to kick things off in week two. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard for being here and clearing up a lot of diet confusion for us today. Covered a lot of ground. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.